0: Welcome to episode 19 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we use the Forgotify website to take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before, and then we talk about them. And today, we're very lucky to have a guest with us, and I'm going to pass it over to Matt so he can introduce him.
1: I'd like to introduce our special guest and my friend, uh, Adam D. O'Dell. Say hello, Adam. Hello. Adam is a colleague of mine at Peabody, where we are currently on. Um, on the same track for finishing up our, our DMAs. We're both in the uh, the not so dignified sounding DIP phase. Isn't that correct, Adam?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But basically, you know, like uh, ABD a- for so, like almost done working on our dissertations and stuff. Yes. And uh, Adam is a composer out of Iowa. He is, wait, did I screw that up?
2: No. Okay, good, yeah. good. I-,
1: I was like, I was like, wait, Iowa, Idaho? It's Iowa. It's Iowa, uh, yeah. Iowa, Idaho. Those middle states.
0: <laughs> yeah, Anyways, when you get out here, who can never really tell the difference. <laughs> they all blend together. Once they yep. start
1: becoming squares, I just lose track. But um, yep. <laughs> anyway, so Adam's music has been praised for its depth, beauty, and rich dimension by The Courier and tremendous instrumental color, beautiful textures, and impressive formal structure by Ablaze Records. Uh, he is a composer, pianist who combines. Classical, jazz, rock, theater, and folk influences into music with humanistic and story-like qualities. Adam's been commissioned by the Dubuque Symphony Orchestra, Altered Sound Duo, the Oklahoma State University Symphony Orchestra, Ensemble 135, the Julian Chamber Choir, just to name a few. And uh, yeah, so today Adam's going to be joining us to listen to some music and also talk about some of his uh, more recent endeavors and projects.
3: Yeah, thanks for coming aboard, Adam. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. All right, without further ado, uh, let's see. Who's introducing the first piece? Is that you, Robbie? It's yes. me,
0: Robbie, introducing the first piece. And this guy, <laughs> let me tell you about this first piece. We like to keep things loose here. It's, uh, I'm pulling up the, the things and failing for time. Josh Joffin, that's the guy, is the one who sang this one. Now, there's not a whole lot about Josh Joffin, except he did have a Spotify bio, which is good. I always appreciate that. But... Apparently he's a Brooklyn-born kind of folk artist, and he's recorded a lot of uh, music for the Fast Folk Musical magazine. And the Fast Folk Musical magazine was kind of a combination magazine record album that was published intermittently that looks like it had various different folk artists, and it seems like he got quite a few releases on there. Uh, It also goes on to mention he released an album with songwriter David Roth and that he won the Carryville New Folk Competition in 1987. And this particular track we're going to be listening to is called Letters... Well, the album is Letters from Antigua, and the track is called Josh is in Love with a Dancer. So let's take a listen. Josh is in love with a dancer What is the boy gonna do? Stand up and count, he's got one left foot. Come down to dance, he's got two. She's tall and she's slender and graceful. And she glides through the smoke and the noise while he waits in the wings. And he... Hooray! I really like his voice. He's got a very warm voice, I think, and that's what I liked about this track right away. But from what I gathered, this provoked a lot of reactions from everyone. <laughs> Matt, do you want to take us away?
1: Yeah, I mean, the voice also cued me in on this, but like, I think overall the whole production of the thing, like the the style of the guitar playing, the little egg shaker in the background, and maybe maybe some bongos, you know, a very bare bones acoustic production. Mm. It, I couldn't help but just like think of Jimmy Buffett, like the style of the song, kind ah, of yes. James uh, himself, James <laughs> Buffett, as as he likes to be called. But yeah, you know specifically Margaritaville, just and, and like the this the semi autobiographical tone of the song, mm. which uh, it just fits in also so nicely with some of our our previous selections for the the dedicated viewers, what with a uh, Lonely Man Denim Dan, uh, Skin and Bones Jerome, other songs that detail a person's physical stature and height, Robbie's personal favorites.
0: Right, exactly.
1: But uh, yeah, I don't know the J- the Jimmy Buffett thing just really like came through for me. Uh, what do you, what do you think, Adam?
2: Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, It's one of those things where it has that sort of, yeah, that sort of Jimmy Buffett sort of like older sounding feeling, but then the production is relatively recent and pretty good. You know what I mean? And so like, there's like, if you think of like the original, like AM gold recordings from like the sixties and stuff like that, you have like a very specific sound that comes through in the recording. And then this is 2010. And so this is, you know, between 40 and 50 years later from like sort of the the era that it sort of was calling to mind for me and so immediately when i started hearing it it was like pretty good production of this very folksy style that was very clearly done recently so my brain was immediately ready for a parody like i was i was i swore like there was going to be some punchline coming where this was like secret sequ- like this whole thing was like just leading up to an innuendo um and so i was like that was mentally where i was when we first listened to it and then just like listening to it now where it's like it's kinda of like just this sort of nice, like taken seriously like folksy thing. It's like it's kind of nice. You know what I mean? Um yeah, there it's were like certain sincere. things. Yeah, it is. And it's like one of those things of like I know, um I know Matt has talked about this before. Like I think specifically with like four chords songs. Uh but like when it also comes to like this style of a thing that um 1 5 of 2, two 5 progression bum 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 it's like something that immediately comes to mind for me when i think about this kind of style too and so was like immediately like i was i was ready for it to be a parody is one of those things but then you know sort of giving it like just another listening and just like listening to it and letting it be what it is yeah it's like it's like this really nice sincere thing i'm surprised that it hasn't gotten at least you know, some more listens or whatever. Like, I don't necessarily expect it to, like, you know, pop off and be one of the most popular tracks ever. But, like, I don't know. It's nice.
0: That is. I, that's, you know what? It's nice. That's just, I think, the perfect uh, kind of boiling down of this music. It's got nice voice, nice production. It sounds good. He's doing it seriously. I think there is something to be said. I like the point that you, you kind of, you're primed for parody, as we always are at this stage. Right. But it's yeah. just like, no, this is just this one time I wanted to dance with the girl and it didn't. I didn't really do it. And there's something so, I don't know, I'm just yeah, nice I think, about it.
2: I think if I were to give it a final ranking based on a meme, I would rank it with the uh, Marge Simpson, I just think it's neat. Right, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> I think maybe the reason why
1: we were all almost prepping for a punchline, because I have to agree with Adam, too. I was like, is this going, is this like going to a joke or something? Like, you know, the last line of the chorus or the verse going to be like a, a punchline? I think because we've had some music on the show that's done that, like several times now, right? I think um, back to one of the really early episodes, right? With um, that song that we all really liked, it was it was Showtoony, Ben Foldsy. uh Oh,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, never
1: should have. Yeah, I'm never going n- to have a real career. Never never going to have a real career. first episode, man. Yeah, um that had a similar style to it. There was another one, um country how to write a country song, that one that I brought in. Right, right. Yeah. Um and you know you know what I, I'm kind of noticing about all those songs is that the the harmonic progression had a lot more like kind of twists and turns to it. Like Adam mentioned, like this isn't super chordally simplistic, but it's not like, you know, overly sophisticated either. But like there was there was that like nice little minor six moment right where it's like going back and forth between like that that six chord and then and like the dominant of that key area did right. you, did you hear that like towards the end where he's kind of like vamping in that minor key area mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and especially in the in the bridge it it sort of t- goes to a few different places it's got a, a neat little flat six flat seven uh, ending thing too and i was i guess like I said at the beginning with the introduction I was like oh no it's another four chord song, but that he he snatched it. He snatched yeah. it right away from us.
1: And also, this is a little thing. I think the harmonic rhythm on my second listen too. I, I noticed like the harmonic rhythm wasn't, uh, you know, just exactly the same throughout. It wasn't like, you know, chord every measure. It, it was. It had like some nice variety to it. So I think right. the, the, those musical similarities were setting us up for some something that we just. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm grasping at straws, but the the similarities were there where we were expecting maybe like a tinge of more comedy or something. I'm not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think what it might be is partially the inflection of his voice. Something about it does belie this sense that a a, a punchline is coming, that a joke is coming. Like yeah. he's setting, or at least he's setting the stage for his own defeat. You know, like as he describes this girl, he's like describing how perfect she is and how graceful and you know, how she dances with all the guys and how he's afraid that she's going to slip away. So you're prepared for him to be like, and then she slipped away, you know, or like it didn't work out.
1: You know what it is? It's it's like It's very whimsical, lighthearted. It doesn't take itself too seriously.
0: Right, and I think... that's true. If you listen to the whole track, I think that's another thing I like about that. Because, you know... It's very easy, maybe, for this subject matter to be creepy or, like, glowering at some woman across the bar, you know, <laughs> and, and putting all this stuff on her. But I think he does a good job of, like, the joke is always on himself. It's always, like, he's kind of making fun of his thought process and what he's thinking. And it's not so much, like, he's angry or upset. It's got a nice, uh, it's got a nice, uh, it's nice. It's it's That's nice. nice. <laughs> it's in just in Nice. Any...
1: In many ways, the song could be viewed as like the antithesis of of you're you're right. There's there's probably countless songs of of what did you say? glowering at a woman <laughs> at a bar, right? Like how many country songs, or I don't know, like any any songs like a uh, hmm. girl described in, in like setting, right? This this is on the much more um, I don't I don't know, p- pure wholesome <laughs> end of the spectrum. Nice. It's it's a nice song,
3: but he's not a nice guy. Trademark. Right.
1: Ah, yeah. There we go. There we go. But yeah, this, this is a nice find. And I think it's another one. that's like, it, there's pleasant surprises, right? With the Once you get into listening to it. Cause we never know how these are going to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Certainly.
3: All right. Anyone, uh, anyone have anything else to say?
2: Yeah. So I guess the thing that I find kind of cool about this is like, as I was going through this process for the first time, being a guest, one of the things I was noticing was like, huh, if it shows up on Forgotify, one of the things that will pretty much always happen is that the sound quality is going to be somehow subpar. I feel like that was like nine out of the 10 tracks I found were like, hey, this could be pretty good, but this is like the most compressed audio I've ever heard in my life. And like, I was just pleasantly surprised. to be like, wow, this sounds really clean and balanced. And I'm pretty sure there's some panning. Like, Whoa. it was kind of nice. Like <laughs> yeah, I, Like, those. I was just like, I was kind of going through that where like, if there was any panning, it was like hard panning. And then it was like, here's this like electronic track, or here's like this thing, or like, here's, I can tell you exactly what they did in whichever DAW, exactly which like drag and drop effects they put on there without changing. And like, I do not consider myself that much of an electronic music guy or a production guy at all. But like, I feel like every once in a while I can find these things that are very obvious. Um, And so I, I, I much prefer hearing things on Forgotify like this that are just like, Hey, here's, you know, what is probably a condenser mic with, you know, a 360 polar pattern and like just a room full of people playing some music rather than like, all right, here's, let's see what we can add to this. You know what I mean? I think uh, for any of you uh, aspiring Spotify artists who want to get two listens, um, I, you know, (laughs) I would, I would recommend maybe going back to your roots, you know, because, I don't know. It, it works. It's true. I, I think, think
1: through doing the show, we've all gained an appreciation of good production.
2: Right. Yep. Certainly.
3: I, I think I've gained just...
2: it from a guest episode that I had. I'm still, <laughs> still, still filming. In it. the middle yeah. of yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the middle of it right now.
3: Yeah, we're According. we're continually surprised by the level of quality that some of these tracks put out, and had nothing like they never blew up. Right. You know. Right. It's just crazy how much obvious work and effort went into it with. Very little, unfortunately, reward mm. until now. I guess you know because man, they're being broadcasted they're all on, over the world through this. On
1: the best show on earth, that's us, right? Yes. The greatest show on earth. Yes. Who who is that actually? Barnum and Bailey
2: Circus or whatever? Oh, those losers. Oh,
3: under because of the pandemic.
2: <laughs> ooh, ooh, Duh. ooh, cut and end, also like. <laughs> Was there, Did they win something in order to get that title, or did they just start calling themselves that, and everyone was like, all right, fine.
0: Yeah, whatever. I mean, there, it's on the this, side.
2: Yeah, is Barnum and Bailey, are they peer-reviewed? Were they contested? <laughs>
3: right. I think they were contested, but think about how many circuses are really left in the world, you know? Mm. So they just outlasted the competition until
2: this mm. year, of course. Right. Yeah, Barnum and Bailey easily in my top 14 of circuses. Right. Worldwide. <laughs> <You know. laughs>
1: I love the arbitrary number selection.
3: (laughs) 14 out of 14. That's what he he didn't tell you. All right. um, Well, why don't we move on to the next track? Uh, So, Adam, you will be introducing this one, right?
2: I suppose. I don't know if I know any more about it than anybody else, but.
3: All right. Well, that's okay.
2: I stumbled across this thing called uh, Fake-tastic, and it is by Beat-tastic. Uh, off of their album bedroom dancing album albums or albums anthems there we go bedroom dancing anthems uh from 2009 and yeah like can we talk about this cover art for a second because i i super duper enjoy it actually right like i think yeah we had mentioned that a little bit just like it's a little busy but like in terms of like the composition you know there's like there's some good diagonal things going on here nothing is too on the grid uh i think there's some interesting color stuff going on you're not immediately driven to any one thing um but there's a lot of different things that you can look at it's like oh hey here's a heart with like this sort of weird side smile uh there's like a piano in the background there and uh not exactly sure what's going on in the bottom right corner um uh, balloon, animals. balloon, animals. balloon animals. Yes. animals
3: and balloons a cool. Pac-Man.
0: a pac-man you know? of course no party yeah. some cupcakes with party hats yeah it's
2: giving me uh, the bottom popcorn. right corner is giving me some very big da song vibes from uh, parasite oh you know they're know. still
1: they're still pretty active i just since you said like you don't know too much about them i looked up they have a facebook group or page yeah no. and they their most recent ep uh they're still promoting it this month so oh wait no it's <laughs> this is january 3rd 2020 it's 2021 now so uh them. So like they we were
3: promoting it a year ago and Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. The they were
2: promoting it when it was appropriate <laughs> to promote stuff.
1: Here right. it says Beatastic is a shoegaze indie grunge electronica post-punk band from Brighton, England.
2: Nice.
0: You know That, that is that so
2: of, many genres. What is shoegaze? I kind of
3: gels that gels with what I kind of pictured in my head. Do you guys remember the the one like track we did where the people were from New York but they were from London originally? Oh yeah. You don't like my shorts, or I don't like. I don't my like your hat.
1: Position? I don't like your <laughs> you hat. Don't, you <laughs> don't, don't like my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was some article uh. of clothing that someone didn't like. You know, uh, 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 close
3: enough. enough. Yeah. All right. Well, before we talk any more about them, let's let's listen to a little bit
0: of it. Millions of facts and I don't give a damn Millions of facts and I don't give a dove Millions of facts and I don't give a dove Millions of facts and I don't give
2: a damn Millions of facts and I don't give a damn Millions of facts and I don't give a damn
0: Millions of facts and I give them
3: all right, and there's fake classic Adam, what do you think?
2: So when I first heard this and like this is again first impression I think as I listened to more of the track like when I clicked onto it onto Spotify and then I listened more of the album, uh, this is like a little bit overly simplistic but the reason why it stuck out to my ear when I first heard it uh, and specifically heard this track, like there are certain sounds in there that feel so quintessentially like Queens of the Stone Age to me. Like that overdriven guitar, like and like the tuning of it specifically reminded me like that. And then, um, the person who's um doing more uh sort of standard singing, not the uh uh, um, not, not like the vocal fry, is, yeah, not yeah, it's like oh, what is the, i I should know that word. I uh, it's like, yeah, vocal fry plus the. <sighs> like the, the more like death metal screaming the rasping yeah. kind of yeah i should know the actual term for it i'm so sorry you Is know vocal like pedagogy are in yeah so it's ingressive something or other yeah yeah um of course but yeah uh so yeah there's like that and then yeah then there's the actual like the vocal part reminded me so much of like the singing from sick 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 by queens of the stone age Six, 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 don't resist. Right, and so like there are certain things about that that just like immediately stuck out to me because I listened to so much Queens of the Stone Age in high school, Um, and like I still listen to a lot of them now. Um, But like that immediately stuck out to me like that, Um, and then that's sort of like the theme of this entire track. Like if you wind up clicking through it, um, they wind up doing, they wind up being very minimal with that material, Uh, and I feel like that's a lot of the tracks on here too, where they like they take a simple idea and they sort of like play around with it for, like, you know, the the course of, like, two or minute, two minutes to four minutes, right? Um, and so there's not, like, a lot of internal development, but I really like the ideas just across this album, actually. Like, they're, you know... Uh, I think with anything, I'll have certain, like, criticisms and certain things that I like. Um, but I definitely like the ideas that this group has. Um, anyways, that's sort of... Yeah, that's a couple of my random sort of first thoughts. And so I'll just kind of hand it over and see what you guys have to say, and then we can sort of, you know... I like
1: all of the the track titles, Um our our viewers at home can't see this but i think what so one two three four five at least six of the track titles are like some kind of oh, seven there's some kind care. of tastic so we've got like beach tastic unicorn tastic future tastic feek tastic air guitar tastic heavy tastic and freckle tastic
2: mm-hmm. and and let's also be clear here the other five titles on the album are no slouches either because right. we have seen a scene girl on a scene girl. Try saying All that one five word. times fast. Right. Yeah. All one word. Yeah. She sells scene girls down game. by the scene shore. Um, <laughs> right. I, sorry, I'll see myself out now.
0: Scene <laughs> shells.
1: I also like how the scene girls are are a, a marker of the time. This this album came out in 2009, and uh, that's that was the that was when scene was real. I remember that. That was like my first year of high school. I Theme was. was when a very we were heading
3: into thing. a hot topic, Matt. You know, oh, trying to, get those to go, hey, yeah, to go get my topic.
1: fingerless gloves that have studs on the back because I thought <laughs> they'd make me look tough. Um, yeah, they did.
0: A, like your hero ex- Jack Skellington.
1: It's exactly how it worked. Didn't get beat up once, right? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <The> <laughs> no. I think. I think yeah this 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 fits right in around like that weirdness of music going on around 2009. Because uh, for me, I think the sounds, like the actual sounds being used in the track, kind of just weirdly harkened me back to those early YouTube meme songs, like the, the, the Shoes song. or, or the, That person did like a lot of songs. My sister found them all very funny and made me watch all of them. It was like Shoes and um, they had another one, like uh, uh, You Can't Text Message Breakup. My sister was obsessed with that song. And they were all like, you know, very low production, almost like deep fried sound quality, like as a joke, you know, Adam, you said like the stock sounds on a DAW or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the things that sort of stuck out to me is like, if there's going to be one thing that's sort of like, eh, like I'd be interested actually, like now that you mentioned that they're still publishing stuff as recently as last year, I'd be interested to see what they've been doing more recently Um, because hearing the sound, like, I feel like there was a lot of drag and drop effect decisions that they made. Um, based on whatever DAW they were using um, and like you know like a lot of like here's a very clear overdrive thing here's a very clear like you know like I think throughout the other parts of the album there's like oh here's like this very like stock bit crusher or something like that and like I, I don't consider myself like an electronic music person really that much at all like I use it enough to sort of like get by with my job but yeah I was like sort of listening to it like there are a lot of things that clearly date this in the mid to late 2000s uh, and part of it was just, like, here's, like, this part of time where DAWs are becoming more and more accessible to more and more, like, quote-unquote amateur musicians. And by that, I just mean, like, people who aren't working for, you know, major records or, like, right. you know, people who are doing this without having been discovered already or without having mega careers or whatever. And so, like, um, if I may hearken back to something that probably Matt and I will be the only people to understand – uh, in our in our DMA colloquium, we talked about a thing called the actor network theory, where essentially we talk about the relationships between artists like composers and performers and how they influence other composers and performers in order to create sort of changes in genre and, you know, uh, streams of influence over time. Uh, but then actor network theory also suggests like, oh, well, this object that has no free will of its own coming in contact to with a person sort of affects things as well. And so like the course of history is affected by the guitar existing or you know something like that like people would write you know uh like Villa Lobos would have written fundamentally different music had the guitar never been written or written it invented there we go words <laughs> verbs life is a great uh, story
0: I like to think
2: right uh and so yeah and so it's like the same sort of thing of like this very clearly is like an instance of here is a band that you know, was not one of the major, you know, 2009 groups. You know, this is not the killers. You know what I mean? But you can very clearly date it in that time because they are working with what they have and what they're capable of doing on what I'm imagining is quite the shoestring budget. And so, yeah, it's just like, it's really cool to kind of like be able to like dip into something that apparently I have was the only one to have listened to between 2009 and 2021, according to you know, to or at least on Spotify, you know right um so probably yeah i'm probably not the only person who's ever heard of this that would be uh incredible obviously um but yeah like it's really interesting like the sounds of this and like how you can clearly date like this is like one of the like this was made with one of the early mass-produced daws out there like it's kind of cool just being able to date it that way
3: time capsule you know what you else know. is a time capsule i want to look at well i don't want to listen to it but Number 12 on this album is You're a Zombie, I'm a Vampire, which so fully encompasses the, like, meta of that time where everything was either a zombie book or movie or a vampire book or movie. Like, Twilight this was, already. This was the peak of Twilight, and this was also when books like World War Z and, like probably in the following years like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and like Pride and Prejudice all this and stuff. Zombies. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. This is when all of this was coming out.
1: The zombies game mode in um Call of Duty. Oh yeah. I yeah, Nazi
2: zombies?
3: Like, uh, Nazi zombies was huge during this Left time. for Dead. Like, that was a great Left game. Left for Dead? Yeah. That was yeah. house to get days. Like, it was all the popular culture seemed interested in. And so this uh this definitely dates itself with just that title.
1: That's true. Anyway, that's all I really had to add. But, uh... <laughs> Good catch, though. Good thing that we uh, yeah. scrolled down to see the entirety of this album. I'm curious. Can you can you pull up, like, what's their discography look like? No, yeah, let's take a look at B-Test. Because if they are still active, I would imagine they've had stuff going on. Well, oh. their
3: last album on Spotify is Glitches.
1: Well, it's I think... 2013. I think on their Facebook group it said 2020. So I don't know if it's out on... Uh, it's out on Bandcamp. You can check them out on Bandcamp.
3: Yeah, they probably weren't making any money from.
1: Yeah, well, no one makes money from oh. Spotify.
3: Yeah, well, they didn't even get the like seven cents they were probably owed. <laughs> think you got to hit a thousand, thousand listens first. Oh, really? Yeah, before they, you know, send so you. That's a that big album. Out. Holy a hell! A nickel.
0: Wow, twenty-five tracks. That's yeah. Laser life. Well, there's a lot going on in the laser life. The laser day today. The laser the job. job
1: this This is a little tangent, but uh Eric reminded me, did you guys hear about the people who made like the the sleep album that was just hours of silence so that they could like monetize it on Spotify? Oh,
3: that's smart.
1: Not hours, but you know each track was like a minute of silence,
3: yeah,
1: and, and- you literally put it on while you're asleep, but Spotify eventually caught it, cracked down on it, and made it so people can't do that anymore.
0: Oh, fuck it darts so <laughs> you can
1: never you can never monetize an album before thirty three unfortunately.
3: But people are monetizing albums of, you know, cello uh, tuning drones. So, and you you're know, giving there's...
1: them lots of money, Eric. I saw it I know, on, like, that... your top played.
3: I know, they were in this... order, too. What I'm saying is th- there's always a way to, you know, beat the system through something silly.
1: What if you had, you know, like, you monetized your personal recording of 433 on the argument that there are some residual sounds in there that are part of the track, you know?
3: Uh, just get, like, a lot of bird noises. Do it outside. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: Nothing saying you can't do that,
0: right? I There's think nothing of the rules that says a bird can't be in the four thirty-three recording. Or would, I, someone I
3: guess would argue that's the whole point.
1: This this could segue nicely into the Adams in uh, projects and endeavors. Adam, you could monetize your several iterations of sitting in a room.
2: I could. Uh, yeah, I should put those on Spotify. To be honest,
1: <laughs> yeah, like I
2: don't. Know, a you should think. Yeah. yeah, thank you. That was a that was an incredible segue. That's and why like they the pay me thing- the big bucks.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And the thing that I find so funny, too, is like, you know, it's been they've been up for a while or whatever, but between them, they have like a combined 1000 views, Um, which I mean, isn't huge in the grand scheme of YouTube, but like for how fledgling this YouTube project is, it turned one like a week ago, I think a week or two ago. Yeah. First birthday, Adam's YouTube channel. Yeah, Uh, I will. I will tell it your well wishes uh, on your behalf. Hey, oh, no, that's right. That's right.
1: Because I remember watching your Brahms video like on the when I was in the airport, like layover coming back from Korea, which was like a year ago. That's so funny. Yeah.
2: Yep. And so is that. And then like I, I started, I feel like I produced really quickly at first. And then, I don't know, the um it, pandemic started and people were like, oh, hey, well, that's great for your YouTube thing, because now you just get to sit inside and like just work on that. And then meanwhile, I was trying to like figure out the fallout of what was happening with all the classes I was teaching and the classes I was taking and what was happening with my other work. And it's like, yeah, totally. Three month break. Um so
0: not exactly relaxing, you know.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um so that that's kind of where I wound up being with that. But yeah, so like yeah, it was especially like sitting in a kitchen I think has like close to four hundred views at this point. And I was like, I don't know what it is specifically about my kitchen. That was so interesting.
1: Oh, and also yeah, so I, I saw them. your I saw your how you missed using the bernie meme as the image for sitting in a room by like a day. I'm so sorry. I did. I did. I'm so
2: I'm so sad. <laughs> uh I just I just photoshopped bernie into all four panels of the sitting in a room cover. <laughs> and yeah, I did it. A, I published my my review of all of my like I performed I'm sitting in a room four times last April. And then I was trying to think of a way to turn that all into a video essay where I could talk about it. And I think I rewrote that script like eight or nine times. Like I think that was the longest I've ever spent on scripting for a single video Um, just because I couldn't figure out the right way to get a good mixture of science, humor, and like actual reflection on the pandemic to work in a way that wasn't kitschy. So yeah, that took me like a while. And of course, so it took me eight months to like really get that video. And I published a whole bunch of other videos in the meantime, you know, while I was just sort of waiting for it to feel right. And then I published that video and then the next day, <laughs> January, I published it on January 19th. On January 20th, Bernie gives us the best sitting meme of all time. Foolish and... mistake, Adam. Way too oh, close to a God. major
1: meme-worthy event. I know. It's...
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. I know. At this point, I could just like go back and like change the thumbnail, but I actually super like my thumbnail for that one. I don't yeah, know. It's
1: pretty cool looking.
2: Yeah, it definitely pops a lot more. I think I need to start using like um, bokeh photography in my, in my thumbnails, because before I was just doing like gradients and gradients. Uh, I don't know. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, I need to do something better than gradients. Wait, this might
3: that be that a background good little...
1: separation. Yeah, yeah. How, do... Eric? How do you make your thumbnails?
3: So I make my thumbnails. Um, Adam has like a as a nice camera that we're all looking through right now. Um, it's beautiful. So I just, yeah, I just make sure I I, uh, yeah. I crank that f stop down as low as it can go, and then get as close to the lens as it'll let me focus, and you know, you get that that sweet sweet background yep
1: separation i make my thumbnails then. in canva i don't pay for my account
2: yeah <laughs> no i mean canva works <laughs> there are certain things that i do in canva like i think all of my uh let me see yeah why is music so bad that one was done in canva all of my racism and privilege ones were done in canva
3: what is canva what am i missing it's like it's a just an online thing
2: yeah it's yeah a, and it's like here you can insert this element you can insert a photo uh, you can insert this text or whatever. It's it's, it's like just really user beast. friendly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not as not as powerful as like your actual like desktop graphic design tools, but it's also like I'm pretty sure I could teach my mom how to use it if I had to.
1: The main problem yeah. I've been finding with it, and now this is you know we're gonna be monetizing through Canva, you know like go to Canva.com and use promo code
2: uh,
0: Needle. Fuck! I would love that. That would be great, <laughs> dude. But, if I uh, start,
2: yeah, if I could start getting sponsorships on my YouTube, like it's game over. It's like, dude, I'm, you I'm just gotta get set. in
0: contact with the
1: Raid Shadow Legends people.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we've
1: been trying for months. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, my one thing uh, with Canva, maybe I'm just dumb and I haven't figured out how to do this. Is I've noticed getting your text to pop in your thumbnails really important. Yeah, and like in Canva, you can't put like a border around the text. So like, let's say that you go with a white text but like there's spots of white in your thumbnail image then like obviously that's going to obscure the text so like little dumb things i wouldn't have thought of until i had to like start making my own thumbnails and stuff for like my little youtube videos Mm -hmm.
3: i want to go back just for a second before we get too far in and uh give our audience a little background information so Adam, can you tell us a little bit about um, just your YouTube channel in general, like what your goal is for it, how you kind of got started, what made you decide you wanted to kind of pursue that, and also give us a little context for I'm Sitting in a Room, you know, what is this composition, yeah, your inspiration for creating this little series?
2: Yeah, so um, it sort of, it started out just like, there's a lot of hats that I sort of put on in my career that I always wanted to sort of put together like I started out as a double major in music and theater and so like I've been an actor for a lot of my life uh I was a mime actually for several years no way uh yeah yeah did, I did you have mime. like the, I... the makeup and everything no 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 no. The, we haven't used makeup in the art of mime for like decades uh for the most part now it's just like just as we are very unadorned all black clothing uh it's very much about like being able to show muscle movement and everything now so it's not so much about like that sort of like um sort of like french cartoony yeah. cartoony <laughs> sort of style right yeah um and so yeah i did that for a while um i won some awards granted they were like you're oh hey you're a you're a kid and you're one of the three kids in this state who wants to do mime. here's a bronze medal nice now, but i got the silver medal um but that was
0: better for the mimes
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that's mime first place
2: yeah exactly uh and so you know i did a lot of stuff like that and like i I did stand-up comedy i've done improv um and it was like one of those things of like i wanted to combine my interests in teaching my interests in composing my interests in just like music in general my interests in science and it's like okay how can i do really all of these things and like sort of put them together in a way that i want to and it's like oh youtube YouTube is where I can just go and publish literally whatever I want. Um, And so I had that sort of a thing where I I wanted to do sort of like special topics, essays. uh, And then, I don't know, maybe this will come back around. I also just wanted to do these really like bare bones, like, hey, I'm going to help you out, sort through like the bullshit of like your theory track in college. Um, because it was like so weird to me that so many schools that I've attended or schools that I've like gone to do workshops for, they will spend like a week on the Neapolitan six chord as if it's not just like, it's a flat two and first inversion. It usually goes to the five. Any questions? Okay, cool. So we got that out of the way. Remember that. And now let's show you what Schubert does, which also like messes around with it. Like there wasn't like that sort of like easy dichotomy between like, here's what we call the theory rule. And then here's how it actually works. And so I wanted to do something like that, Um, that might eventually come back, but I just wanted to sort of do it in a way that like talked about theory, while still also recognizing that theory comes after composition. And so you're going to see a lot of other things and just sort of really whittle down the simple, simple nature of theory, so that we could show it in a very dynamic context. So that was sort of the original intent uh, of the channel. But I don't think it ever really got there, uh, just because it, like, it never felt right to do it. And maybe it will eventually, maybe it won't. But I feel like I'm going more and more into like the, let's do some special topics things. And then let's also do like a mixture of entertainment and education, right? Where it's like, even if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're at least having fun watching the video. Um, yeah, so, like, I got a
1: question about that, too. Yeah. Because I'm sure you've had to put a lot of thought into this. You know, you're entering a genre that's becoming a little more developed i guess a little a little niche on the youtube community like the internet community and like mm-hmm. you've got obviously um you uh, unfortunately similar in name competitor, competitor but also you know yes. trail, trailblazer adam o- adam uh adam neely and uh also who's the blonde guy charles something
2: uh charles cornell yeah
1: yeah you've got like him and also like i've seen other like smaller channels now that are getting Bigger and bigger, right? So yeah. Like, you know, how 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 do you like kind of approach that and like developing your channel? And obviously, there's going to be some similarities, but you know, giving your own like I don't know, personal touch or or flavor.
2: Yeah. So I guess my big thing for me has has been this. And for any any you know person who really wants to be a YouTuber out there, I would say you know know your influences and know who you like and everything like that. But at the end of the day, nobody gets famous because they are. A carbon copy of somebody else who's already famous, you know, like a- as I've been sort of going through sort of like music communities and everything like that. Um, and I and I almost fell into this trap to a certain extent uh, when I was first like sort of planning stuff out, which is part of the reason why like the let's talk about theory simply thing just didn't work out. I met a lot of people who were just trying to be Neely clones. And they were just like, here, how can I like insert a meme every once in a while, but then otherwise have this very philosophical uh approach to music theory that sort of combines classical and jazz right that was what a lot of people were trying to do and then it works way better if you just let yourself be you um because if you have an interesting enough thing to talk about uh then people are going to be willing to watch even if it's not the most popular thing in the world you know what i mean like nobody gave a shit about ui design in notation software until tantric rule started a, a channel And he did this thing where he's like, I'm going to talk about UI design in music and then talk about how it actually relates to me as a composer. And then I'm also going to do this like surrealist, like little thing or whatever. And then his Sibelius video got really popular and, you know, everything like that. Like do something, you got to do something that sort of goes against the grain, right? And so I've watched a lot of Tantacruel. I've watched a lot of Adam Neely. I've watched a lot of David Bruce. um, I watched Nare Sol, uh, Amy Nolte, just kind of everybody, right, who's sort of in that vein uh and then like I started watching Charles Cornell actually after I got started um and so it was like one of those things of like I think I saw his Cardi B thing and then I didn't realize he was actually like doing YouTube until like much further into it. Oh yeah it. the Cardi B harmonization. <laughs> right that's where he started. <laughs> that you know? was so good. Right? Um and so like the thing was I was like okay I could just do like another talking head thing where I like talk about this piece and everything like that but like that's been done uh you know so I was just thinking like Okay, what can I sort of do that's sort of making it different, which is sort of what led to like sort of what I consider sort of chapter two of my of my YouTube presence. Like, I guess the there's sort of the prologue, which was um, the Friends theme, but it's clapping music by Steve Reich. And I play a 7-Eleven polyrhythm outside of 7-Eleven for seven minutes, 11 seconds. And (laughs) that is uh, the most successful in terms of views that that chapter of it so far. Uh, but then after that, I was like, all right, I'm making like an actual channel. And then I started doing these very sort of like in some, in some terms, like sort of standard video essays, but they always had like some sort of comedic element that made you think about stuff. Right. Cause as a stand-up comedian, that's what I've always been interested in. Like how can comedy make you think about stuff, uh, in an interesting way. And so be like, okay, I, I'm playing this Brahms intermezzo that everybody knows. Uh, but instead of playing it on piano and talking about it the way that everybody does, I'm now going to put it into a sampler where every sample instrument is air horns. And I'm going to see how people react to it. There was like this thing of like, okay, this is ridiculous. But now that I've gotten used to it, like that kind of sounded nice or that sounded interesting. Or like, why is this funny? Why is this funny? But the piano is not funny. You know, we got in these really interesting conversations about timbre. um, And so that was like one of those things where I was like, okay, I need to, I need to do something that's like a little bit more different. And so now I'm getting into this sort of chapter two of it, which at this point includes why is music so bad music and storytelling and over the garden wall and my reimagined episode about i am sitting in a room um and it's essentially i've i bought a green screen that's the most obvious step one choice
0: (laughs) my green screen
2: yeah so like i can put a bunch of random stuff in the background and even if you don't know what i'm talking about you can be like oh my gosh i hear you know zelda ocarina of time music in the background and i see a decom you know what i mean uh which like I kind of got some of that kind of stuff from like a lot of uh, video game YouTubers, like video game Dunky and Nakey Jakey. Uh, Like I kind of, I've sort of taken some video essay editing tips sort of from their channels, uh, which I also think is really important. Like if you're trying to make a music YouTube, watch other YouTubers, like watch other approaches that don't exist just in our genre, because otherwise, again, you're going to create something that's already been made. And so I started doing that. And in doing that, I found that I could express myself in a lot of different ways. And I think it's really... It's coming together in a way that I really like in my last video, which is my reimagined of I Am Sitting in a Room, uh, which is where I talk about the four performances I did back in April, um, where I performed it in four different rooms in my house. Uh, and I sort of then from there analyzed uh, the resonant frequencies of each of those rooms. So basically when you record your voice and then record the recording and then record the recording of the recording, then record the recording of the recording of the recording, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these are like the the pitches that stay because every other... Uh, Pitch has been attenuated due to destructive interference, Uh, and so like, oh, hey, I noticed that like, there's like this low pitch and this high pitch that come from my studio, and it also has like very high ceilings and it's like this sort of very, you know, pretty normal shape, but then I have this very weird oblong kitchen, and it led to having multiple resonant frequencies that were all very like close together and uh, very like grating in a way, and so it allowed me to sort of like observe my spaces, which I realized. I definitely didn't do a very good job of at certain points in the pandemic. And I know a lot of people haven't just sort of in general. And so it's about talking about like, okay, here's music. Here's the bare bones of it. Here is this guy who uses destructive interference to take a recording of his voice and turn it into music. Uh, that is eventually just like a bunch of like sine wave noises. Right. And then what was his original purpose to, you know, s- smooth out his irregularities of his voice, this sort of, like contemplate on the spaces that he was occupying in the late 1960s early 70s and then now when we have to occupy just this one space our own homes like how do we approach that sort of differently so that's what sort of the reimagined series is and I think that's a lot of what I want to do with my channel where it's like hey if you learn a lot about this specific piece and this specific genre awesome but in a way I want to talk about music theory that isn't just like here's a one chord and then a two chord and then a five chord and then a one chord. I want to talk about it as here is the way it was composed. And here is the person who composed it. Uh, and this is how they are expressing their humanity through music. And here's why it's relevant to you sort of a thing. So that's kind of my goal. The um, ultimate
1: goal is of course, to just become a react channel. So you can just pump those bad boys out. Like, right, every
2: exactly. Day. I would love to just like, yeah, react daily content every day, uh, I get, you know, a a, a content house with a bunch <laughs> of other music YouTubers so we can take our content quote unquote to the next level. Uh, we can make a lot of money. Uh, and then every thumbnail is just a thing of me with this like, oh my gosh, wow expression. And the caption is just, he said, what? <laughs> um, that's of course the goal. Um, but until then I'm going to, until then I'm going to talk about, um, you know, sort of the, the deepest seeds of human emotion, uh, in the meantime, until I get rich.
0: It's really the end evolution of any form of art is to be a React channel. Oh, You're
2: of course. The content
1: house. Right. That's, can you imagine? Content so house, be, house would be Michelangelo
0: so yeah. in a content house with yeah. a bunch of other painters and what all. content
2: yeah. house for depressed composers. I mean, honestly. <laughs> or like, even just like, I, I, I imagine like, what would a content house be with like current music YouTubers? Because like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know Adam Neely's dating life or whatever like that. But then like David Bruce has kids. Tantra Cruel has kids. Uh, A lot of other YouTubers are also in like the family life or whatever. So like, I can't imagine that content house is like the same thing as like your video game content houses where it's like, hey, what's up guys? I'm Nick Merckx. I'm going to take you around. Wow, this little part of the desk comes up with a Red Bull. This is crazy. I'm going to go over here and you know, the cash (laughs) app is paid for this League of Legends room. I, actually, yeah. like, I was it's curious like a I,
1: I watched one of the content house tours because i was like how much money do these kids make and like the uh valkyrae a lot. it's yeah. it's so much money it's like absolutely absurd valkyrae was like touring the content house or whatever she's like yeah this isn't my place because you know i i live like 10 minutes away i'm like you've got two houses in la like you're part of two houses in la but like I don't know a music content house. Could you imagine like Bill Wurtz, Adam Neely,
2: like? All of okay, those yeah, that would be people. fun. That'd be like so, so random. It's like, did you see Bill Wurtz learned how to use Blender in his latest? Yes. Video? Oh my god. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh Bill Wurtz in three D is exactly what I needed to turn around the <laughs> yeah. pandemic. Also, oh my god. I just love the blatant disregard for the fact
1: that here comes the sun is like a very. <laughs> Right, a song. very
2: well-known <laughs> song. <laughs> Existing song yes that was my favorite i loved it
1: <laughs> you think like he probably i think i feel like bill words probably came up with all of that finished the whole thing was like oh yeah that's a song like he just completely forgot wasn't even on his mind but adam oh. or, or adam uh did you have other like you know other projects aside the youtube channel that like you wanted to like plug or talk about or do you think you have kind of like exhausted your endeavors i don't
2: know um i mean i i think yeah sort of the youtube thing is sort of the big one uh you know it's like hopefully my dissertation will be done in a year and (laughs) and hopefully the pandemic will be at least over enough that we can have live performances because i'm writing a piano monodrama i'd like to tour with it eventually um i guess i don't know if if that sounds interesting to you uh it's it's a 70 to 90 minute piece for solo pianist which is me uh, and it'll have electronics and some pantomime and some poetry and some other things and it's basically like this another endeavor of like how can I combine my theatrical and musical pursuits uh and I don't know hopefully it'll, it'll eventually even turn into a video that I can put on my YouTube mm-hmm. um but yeah sort of the YouTube is sort of the one public thing that I definitely have going right now so yeah I would say yeah just uh find me on YouTube
3: cool what's is the name is your channel name just your name
2: yeah, it's just my name. So, yeah, I think YouTube.com slash Adam O'Dell should get you there. Uh, or just look up Adam O'Dell Music. Um,
1: and you also tell us your Instagram handle. I have it in front of me, but I want you to say it.
2: Yeah, so my Instagram handle is Um You know, <laughs> those, those internet polls, man. Uh, and then my An Twitter homage. just because... To yes. the Bodie McBoatface, right? An homage to Bodie McBoatface. Um, <laughs> there's part of me that was like, ooh, you know what? I really didn't think about it in the moment. Should it be Composey McComposerface, or is Composer McComposerface better? Um, <laughs> these are
0: the questions! That's these are the really questions that keep questions. me up at night.
2: Um yeah. And then otherwise, it's just composer face on Twitter um, because they don't allow long uh, names. Yeah, Adam, I think
1: you and I were like both in this setting where someone asked to follow both of us on Instagram. Like, are you guys on Instagram? And you and I both, because ha- you and I both have like semi-stupid composer like Instagram handles. And now it's too late yeah. in the game for me to change mine because everyone's like, oh, there's Matt. You got to find, got to keep that stupid handle in.
2: <laughs> yeah, but hey, I mean, it's a good... It's a good thing. You're a composer, and you recognize how valuable potatoes are to our society. They're an invaluable contribution to modern society, yeah. It's your
0: yeah. brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the potato guy. He's the potato guy. I have yeah. had
1: several people ask me, like, what's up with the potato thing? And I just have to every time be like, I, it's it's nothing beyond the fact that I just really like potatoes. My cat's name is Noki. I mean, like, it doesn't get yeah. much more simple than that.
3: Thank you, Adam, for, yeah. you know... Really great conversation, letting us know what you are up to. You know, you've got some really cool projects going on, and I really would encourage everyone to go check them out. There's a lot of great stuff on this channel.
0: Um, I'm
2: getting so close to monetization. Come subscribe. Come be part of the family. <laughs>
0: Nearly there. <laughs> I, I want ad revenue.
1: I do have to say, since we did talk about like you know production value in today's show, if if you're you know if you're picky about that stuff because now everyone is kind of getting picky about that stuff with what they consume on youtube adam's your videos have gotten like to such a good production value they've never been bad and like i always i was just so especially impressed by the uh the over the garden wall video that you did i know that one took you a lot of time right
2: yeah that one took a lot of time i started it in september with the hope of publishing it like in time for halloween uh and then i published it on november 1st i was trying so hard to get it out but yeah
1: so this isn't like you know your your run-of-the-mill like i don't know hobby youtube channel it's it's like very very uh you know hard a lot of hard work goes into it and you can tell and i recommend yeah checking it out thanks dude
3: how much time goes into those videos i don't think people understand just like editing alone like not even recording and scripting and all of the other stuff but just so much time
2: yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, it sort of depends. Um, like in the early goings, like it just took forever just because I was learning how to use everything. So I'm pretty sure the Brahms video, it didn't have to, but it probably took around like 50 hours of work total. But then like scripting gets a lot harder when uh, it's something that you really have to like cross check a lot of stuff. And like, there was, there are certain elements about like acoustics that I didn't quite get with the sitting, I am sitting in a room video. Then there's the fact that I wasted a lot of time with scripting because I think I wrote, like I said, eight or nine different versions of that script uh, because it just never worked. But yeah, so just to sort of give you an idea of, like, before I added the green screen element, when I added the green screen element and it felt like a good amount of time, and then just to give you a, whoa, holy crap, my Does Syncopation Make You Evil? A response to Christian Baredal, that probably took a total of... I don't know, like 10 or 15 hours, because reaction videos are actually super easy to do. It's just like you watch the video, you take notes about the things you actually have to do, you fact check them to make sure you're saying everything exactly correctly. Because uh, if you're doing a reaction video where you're fact checking somebody, if you want to getting something wrong, it's very bad. Uh, but that one, yeah, it's like a 17 minute video. It probably took me 10 or 15 hours total uh, between filming, like researching, filming and editing. Let's see, why is music so bad? um that is very much in my wheelhouse like I study evolutionary musicology and so I'd say scripting and editing and you know like filming editing that probably that whole process took about like 20 to 30 hours and that's where I'd like most of my videos to sit you know what I mean like if I had three days of doing nothing but sitting in my office and eating Cheetos and drinking coffee like that's when I could get it done uh and then the I am sitting in a room reimagined just because of all the scripting and all the extra stuff I put in there and just how much I wanted to up the production value on certain levels. Like, I'm going to do color correction and inserting my own B-roll and doing some stuff with sound. That probably took me, like, 70 hours, actually. So a lot of work goes into these videos, uh, especially since I added the green screen. But just in general, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of work. So people who can upload stuff, like, on the regular are really impressive to me. Because, like, this this kind of stuff does take me, like, a month or two just to, like, have yeah. the time. To get all of it done while keeping the rest of my life going.
3: Channels that aren't just React channels, but like upload every week, I don't understand like how they do it. It really is yeah. impressive. I mean
2: I'm I'm going to have to assume that either from YouTube ad revenue or from Patreon or for some mixture of everything, they have to be making that close to like their regular full time job. Right. Yeah. So crazy
3: stuff, but keep up the great content, you know, it's, Thank you, it's, man. Um, yeah. It's really your hard work clearly shows. Yeah. Thank you. Alrighty, I think this is a time in the podcast when we tell everyone what we listened to this week. What are our recommendations for the week? Robbie, I'm going to let you start us off because that's your
0: job. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's uh, in my file. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up an album I already had prepared. I'm not vamping for time, Eric. Why do you always say these things to me? So for this week, the album I listened to was called say something do something by the jazz mafia where which is a group i just kind of randomly clicked on that was related to something else i was listening to wonderful music really combines you know hip-hop electronic music and straight ahead jazz and it's very it's very uplifting lots of really lovely vibes from this album so i would recommend it once again that's say something do something
3: matthew what did you listen to this week
1: this week uh, I've had to do a lot of like email correspondence and stuff like that. So when I'm when I'm doing that kind of stuff, I just kind of try to put on like semi brain dead mindless music, but I found this kind of cool. I I love these. I love song mashup stuff like that because mm-hmm. I find it really interesting when it works out or I find the creativity interesting. So I found this channel I think YouTube and SoundCloud and I think there's more stuff on the the YouTube channel. It's called Miggy Smalls, like Biggie Smalls, but with a with an okay. M in the front. Okay. And they just they exclusively do like K-pop mashups of like three to many, many, many songs. And yeah, I've just been like listening to a lot of those because they're they're really good. So yeah, if you like k-pop as much as i do which is probably not many of you check out mickey smalls it's a cool channel
3: cool stuff. all right adam what'd you listen to this week
2: all right um so uh i don't know if you're necessarily hoping for things that were incredibly recent but uh this is uh, recent recent enough 2012 is recent enough right um but it's just what i've been listening to and i really love it um i'm a huge fan of tigran Hamasyan who is an Armenian jazz pianist. And um, I've just been like, especially as I've I've been writing a lot of piano stuff lately for my dissertation, and I want to do some stuff that isn't in 4-4. It's really cool listening to Tigran. And uh, specifically his album, uh, Shadow Theater, uh, from 2012 is really just an incredible album all around. Uh, If I had to pick one track for you to listen to, it'd be Drip. Um, It's just so amazing the way that he combines like sort of your standard jazz with like you know you know hard rock heavy metal uh, like conical rhythm uh, just there's so much stuff in there that like fits really well and for all of the stuff that I listen to that's like here I'm trying to combine these things and it winds up being like hey you heard something that you are now marginally familiar with and you just try to put it into music and it sounds terrible like for as much of that as there is hearing someone like Tigran Hamasian who has so many different influences that are all very um, true to his upbringing and like just hearing them come together in a really beautiful way, like that is, it's just so incredible. Uh, and so I've been listening to that album a lot. So yeah, Shadow Theater by Tigran Hamasian. I super duper recommend it.
3: Very, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, I guess that leaves me. So this week I've been listening to Well, I actually just discovered on Spotify that Music at Minlow has been publishing their live recordings. And I'm not sure, like, if they've just been doing this along or there was like a recent album dump where they just decided to upload everything they've recorded for the last, like, 20 years. But I've just been going through their live albums and it's really some really, really great concerts in there. Super, super cool. So anyone looking for some chamber music? a very wide range you know baroque to super modern you can get your fix with the music at minlo live series
0: all right robbie you
3: want to outro us
0: yeah well thanks again to adam for so graciously appearing on our show really great to have you on
2: thank you for having me
0: oh of course yeah i really this
2: is like one of those things where i'm like hey i was actually like listening to the podcast before you asked me to do it so thank you for having me it's been a lot of fun
0: you for coming on that's so nice to yeah hear. of Let's course oh well everyone be sure to go check out adam odell on his youtube channel and you can go ahead and follow us on twitter at drop haystack and at drop the needle in the haystack on instagram and facebook uh yeah please like and review and subscribe and do all those basically any option any platform gives you fill it out for us whatever you can scrabbles doesn't matter eric take us away
3: as always everyone thank you for listening We'll catch you next week.